All right, friends. You want to grab a seat? I love that I have to stop you from talking to each other. I love it. I love the energy when everyone's talking. Great to see you. My name is Drew. I'm the pastor here at uh, Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights, the longest name of any church in Columbia Heights. We win. Uh, I have a couple of just quick things to update you on as well as we uh, uh, head into our parable for the week. Um, First thing is, um, this is our last week. I just got word from the school that after this week, um, masks are welcome, but not required. Uh, The school's been very gracious in uh, allowing us to do what is right in our own eyes. And so we will be doing that. Um, And so, sorry, next week, uh, you're welcome to wear masks, but they're not uh, required. Uh, And secondly, I just want to make an announcement. Next week, a friend of ours will be here to teach a parable. This is Paul Stiver. I want to share three things that are very important to know about Paul. First, Paul is from Wisconsin. This seems like the perfect Wisconsin picture, doesn't it? He's fishing by a, by a dam somewhere. Uh, Paul is from Wisconsin, loves fishing. Uh, secondly, Paul works at Hope. He's on staff at Hope. He works with our LDI. There's a picture of him actually teaching a class during the uh, pandemic on Zoom. I don't actually have a real picture of him teaching a class. This is as good as kids. <laughs> Uh, He's on staff. He's also a pastoral resident training to be a pastor. He is an elder at Lower Town, our Lower Town location. So we're excited to have a Lower Town representative come next week and uh, really excited to to, uh, preach. Uh, And lastly, the most important thing about Paul is he loves Jesus. I have no picture of him loving Jesus, except he often posts pictures of himself reading the Bible, which I hope is just because he loves Jesus a lot. Not because he wants us all to know he reads his Bible a lot. Um, That's why I post. Uh, And so, anyway, he's going to come. He's going to tell you how sweet Jesus is. And uh, he's really excited to be here. Also, he found out we have air conditioning, and they don't at Lower Town. So he's through. It's a big plus. I'm trying to figure out how to use that to market for our location. Air conditioning. We need one of those signs like they have outside of hotels that says, air conditioned. Um, Anyway, we're excited to have Paul here uh, next week with us. Excited for you all to meet Paul. Um, when, when you ask a question of uh, when have you felt like something is undeserved or unfair, I think of the uh, weekend I just had, or at least the start of my weekend. Um, this is our family. We just got back last night from Glacial Lakes. Is that what it's called? State Park? By Starbucks, Minnesota. Anyone been to Starbucks? I've never been there before. There's a huge lake over there. The 13th largest lake in Minnesota, if you're wondering. Um, We went, it was warm. It was a warm weekend to camp. But we got to go on this great hike. This is us at the highest point at the park here. We got to hike up there. It's not super high, but it's it's on a hill that's taller than those other hills. We had a great, great time. Uh, But I had a moment where I felt like I was saying to myself, I don't deserve this. (laughs) I don't know if you ever had this. and this is about the moment when I said it, which is almost hard. I mean, seeing this picture on this incredible giant screen we have, you say, how could you? I was standing, right? This is, I took this picture. We decided to, we saw a trail that was on another hill. And so we decided to just quick hike down this, into this kettle and up onto the other trail, which you just think, oh, well, quick walk through this, like, not trail part, which ended up being kind of soggy and bumpy and I was wearing sandals, which was silly. Uh, but I had this moment right here. I was standing right here. Everyone's in front of me. Kids are running up hills. And I'm thinking, oh, I get to go up this hill. And at this point, I think we were discovering that there was a lot of ticks. I think we had an award, 
award-winning number of ticks all over us. Uh, and we thought, I thought, why am I doing this? And I said to myself, God, I don't deserve this. <laughs> Which seems kind of silly, standing in this beautiful field. It was breezy and sunny, and I was with these people. We were with the Kayleys, a family here from Hope that we were enjoying camping with. But in the moment, I could just look down at the grass and say, how could you do this to me? <laughs> it felt, it seems, right now seems silly, but at the moment I was hot and my feet kind of hurt and I like literally was watching, watching ticks crawl on my legs and I thought, uh, we're, we're, we hopped on a trail that ended up not being a trail we thought and it added like miles onto our hike uh, and we're hiking and I'm going, I don't, this is not fair. Like, I'm good to you, Lord. And then you make your creation hot and the sun hot and, and then I'm, I'm starting to think, oh, everyone else seems to be way better at hiking. No one else seems to care that they're warm and there's ticks everywhere. I mean, maybe a few kids weren't real thrilled about the ticks. Um, and I started like comparing a lot, thinking, gosh, they're so good at hiking. I'm not good at hiking. Uh, or thinking like, why are they so into hiking? This is silly. We could have been in our hammocks the whole morning. <laughs> it, it becomes this, this kind of spiral. Maybe you felt this at times of, I don't deserve this. Why am I here? What is going on? And I literally like end up just looking at the ground, walking, uh, spiraling into, I could be anywhere else. I wish I was someone else. I wish I was more in shape. I wish I could hike longer. I wish this trail was this. And, and lots of I wishes and it felt unfair and undeserved. And that feeling, I was literally hiking and I was thinking, okay, in a couple of days I get to walk through this parable, which is going to really point us to what do you do when you're in kind of this curse of comparison and this, this curse of feeling that things are unfair, undeserved. Uh, and I, I got to watch uh, these kids run by me and they were feeling hot and a little frustrated. And I thought, okay, I got to encourage them. I can't just like bring them into my <laughs> world here, my spiral. Um, and I said, look around how beautiful it is. This is so fun, isn't it? In my like most convincing, you know, tone. And it clicked right then. It was like God was saying, this is what, this is what you get to, to teach on Sunday. And so I'm really excited uh, I got to have this experience and that we get to have, the, have this moment where God is going to show us through a parable. Jesus tells this parable, this story uh, to people. We're in the series uh, in parables. Uh, he's going to tell this parable about a landowner and he's going to remind us of kind of where our, our vision is, where we look so that we can turn from being stuck in kind of this curse of comparing and feeling that things are unfair and, and spending our time worrying about others and, and what they have or what they don't have or what we have or what we don't have or feeling things are uh, unjust, unfair. And he kind of, he really reminds us of what it looks like to live a life that's very content and joy-filled through it. I'm, I'm excited for this. This has been a, a great blessing to me. So today we're going to be in Matthew 20. If you have Bibles, you'd like to open them up uh, or if uh, you like to turn on your phone or all, all the passages will be right here on the screen. We're going to walk through Matthew 20. And this is the parable of the generous landowner. That's what I'm calling it, the generous landowner. Sometimes this is called a uh, parable of the, the vineyard workers. Uh, but I, I think the, one of, at least one of the reasons Jesus tells us is because he wants us to remember the generous landowner. So we're going to tell this is a great, this is a really great story. Here we go. We're going to jump right in. This is Matthew 20 right in the beginning. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. So again, we'd start with this is the kingdom of heaven. So God's kingdom, his family, uh, this thing that we're welcomed into, 
that Jesus makes a way for us to be a part of. He's saying, Jesus is with people and he's saying, I want you to understand how incredible, how different God's kingdom is. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. So a landowner owns a vineyard, needs people. It's probably the time of year where he has to gather uh, extra workers because the, his permanent work staff, um, his servants can't handle maybe the harvest. So he goes actually into town and there's people there who every day have to go and hope there's people who will come hire them. They're just kind of at the mercy of the people uh, in town, landowners and people. So they're waiting there, hoping someone will offer them a job so that day they can go work and make enough money to like buy food that night for themselves, their family, uh, pay for what they need to pay for. So he goes into town to find to this, there's people there waiting, waiting for someone to offer them this place. He said he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day, which was a very normal thing. That was kind of the standard day wage for, for a day worker. And he sent them into his vineyard. So he goes down, he sees people, hey, I'll pay you this much. And they go and work in his vineyard. They're picking grapes, hanging out. Uh, not really hanging out. They're working really hard <laughs> in his vineyard. About nine in the morning then, this is probably about six in the morning, the first group. At nine in the morning, he went out and he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. So now this landowner again goes, he sees more people waiting, doing nothing, it says. And he told them, you also go, you work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So he says, hey, do you need work too? You, you need, ultimately, you need pay to survive uh, yeah, 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 go in my vineyard and work. There's work to be done. Go and work, and I'll pay you what, what I think is right. So they went. Of course they went. They needed work, right? They were waiting on someone to bring them in to a job so that they could work. He told them to go, so they went. He went again at noon. So now it's been 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. Now he goes again at noon. And, they're three, and then at 3 in the afternoon, he goes again and does the same thing. He sees people standing there. They're looking for work. And he says, come, you can work for me. I'll pay you what is right. And then again at 5 in the afternoon. It's been like a whole day, almost 12 hours. He goes at 5 in the afternoon. He went out and he found still others were waiting for someone to offer them. This job, which meant money, which meant food for them, which meant survival for them. So he found more. And does he say, oh, it's too late, maybe tomorrow? He says, what? Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one has hired us. No one's come and said, offered us this job. Uh, and he said to them, uh, you also go then. You go work in my vineyard. So then evening comes, not long after this, and the owner of the vineyard says to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages. Just gather everyone up and pay them for their day and then they can go back, buy food for their families or for themselves and, you know, it's the end of the day. But he says something interesting. He says, I want you to pay them a certain way. So he says, beginning with the last ones that I hired, the ones at five o'clock and going to the first ones. So now the workers are coming in. They're, they're wore out. Some of them are really sweaty, really wore out, really dirty, and some are maybe a little less. And the five o'clock ones just kind of started working. And they all gather around. They're probably looking at each other. Some of them going like, when did you get here? I, I didn't even see you out there. Some are just probably sitting because they're so exhausted, drinking water from a long day of hard work, and they're excited. Okay, now I'm going to get my payment. Now I can go get what I need to survive. 
And then the workers who were hired about five in the morning, as the landowner said it in the afternoon, came and each one was given a denarius. He hadn't agreed how much. He just said what was right. He pays them a denarius. If you remember, that's the amount he promised the people who started at six in the morning. So they're sitting there, dirty, tired. Can you imagine all day in the sun, picking grapes? Maybe you eat a couple of them, but not a lot, right? Because you got to kind of steal them. You're just wore out. And then you just see the people who just showed up get paid the same amount you did. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. So you go, oh, he's paying them, but Darius, I can't wait to see what he pays us now, right? And you're calculating in their head, oh, it's going to be so much money. This is going to be awesome. We're going to buy really good food tonight. But each one of them also received just a denarius. Can you like feel them, that moment with them? That they would walk up and go like put both hands out because they thought I'm going to get like a bag of coins poured in my hands. If he paid those people who worked just a little bit a, a denarius, he, they're going to pay me handfuls. And then they drop one coin in their hands. You can imagine how they feel, felt. So when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Understandably, that this isn't fair. This isn't right. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said. And you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. Right? You imagine saying that, looking at each other, right? We're the ones who did all the work. You're paying us the same? So the landowner turns the answers to them. I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give, I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I give you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? He doesn't even like explain to him his, his logic behind it. He just says, I want to give them also this wage, which again is about how much it would cost to live for the day. So you say, I'm giving them this much. If I paid them for like the one hour they worked, it would not really make a dent in their survival. I'm going to give them what I want. It's mine to give. It's, it's mine to bless them with. And then he says this phrase is really important. Or are you envious because I am generous? He's saying, like, what's, the, what's really going on? Are you envious that I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. This is a phrase that Jesus uses in a, in a series of parables reminding us that actually the, the ones who are last become first, um, the ones who are humbled, who are, uh, realize that they can't save themselves. We learned this in the, the rich young ruler last week. But he says this phrase, are you envious because I'm generous? This, this phrase actually is really important to understand the original language of this. The real phrase is actually a kind of a common phrase in the time. The phrase in this is actually is your eye evil because I am good? That word good actually is, is bigger than good. We don't really have a word. It's good, generous, gracious. It's like this whole, holistic word that means, are, do you have an evil eye towards me? Evil eye too is stronger than, the, we, we use the word evil eye not right now. Like a, you feed a kid food they don't like and they give you like the look and you're like, ooh, you gave me an evil eye. It was cute. Let's try to record it this time. Right, or you might give a friend an evil eye. Evil eye is like, I, I am so angry. I'm so envious. 
uh, evil, I, like I, I'm really truly like cursing you. And he's saying, are you cursing me because I'm so good and generous? It, is your issue really like that you didn't make more money or is it you're like, you're complaining because I am so good to all the workers. Now this word is actually the same word that we see uh, Jesus used actually moments before as he's telling other stories and actually just before as he actually encounters someone who we encountered last week, the rich young ruler. And he says this, the rich young ruler walks up to him and someone came to him, it's this man, and he says, teacher, what good thing shall I do so that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? This is Jesus saying, why are you asking me what is good? There's only one who is good. This word good, generous and gracious. There's only one who's truly good and generous and gracious. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. He's saying only God is good and generous and truly gracious. And then he tells this story, the rich young ruler who realizes he can't let go of his possessions. They seem to be more important than God to him. And they ask, well, who could be saved if everyone has to turn from everything to follow you? And he says, no one can. Only God is good. So it's actually the end of this series of encounters and stories where Jesus continues to use this word, good, gracious, generous. And so this parable ends with the landowner saying, are you angry are you cursing me because I am so generous? Because I am so good? I want to introduce you to uh, Michelle Lee Barnawal. She has written this great study uh, commentary on the parables. It's really, really blessed me. Um, it's a lot, just seeing grace in it. And so she, she, she says this about this one. Sadly, though, the first workers were not able to see this. She's talking about weren't seeing the goodness and, and generosity and the grace that was given by this landowner who, who we know is really representing God, right? In God's kingdom, the king, the owner of the land to his people is gracious and, and good. Sadly though, the first workers are not able to see this because they are forced on what they believe to be fair. Why should they get the same as the ones who did not work as hard? They're upset at the grace shown to the others. And this colors their response. Instead of seeing the beauty of grace, they focus on injustice. As a result, instead of being grateful, they become bitter. Just by where they're looking, where they're, they're turning their eyes. As one writer puts it, grace is not only amazing, it is also for certain types infuriating. I feel this. If grace, uh, if generosity isn't for me, it is a... Uh, definitely does not give me, uh, make me as grateful as it is when it's about me. It, it definitely changes when I say, oh, that's good for them. And there's like a, at least a little bit in me, if not a lot, say, why do they get that? That's not fair. I'm, I'm doing all the right things. I'm nice. I'm good. That's not, that's not fair. They get, I should get it. How quick my, my vision turns to me, right? It, I don't even know if I see it as gracious or good or, or generous. I just think, oh, they, ah, some of that should have been for me. That grace actually can be infuriating when it's given to someone else and not me. This was uh, shown in a study, uh, actually an experiment that was done with people. Um, 
where they were offered people $2, just, just $2 bills. They said, hey, this is a free $2 bill. It's yours. It's a gift to you, right? The only catch is if, we give, if you accept the $2, we give someone else that's not you $8, right? And you, I, would, I hope all of us would go like, oh, that's cool. So I get $2, right? When done, though, 85% of the people said, oh, I'm not taking the $2 if someone else gets $8. Well, I thought, oh, these, these terrible people. <laughs> and I thought, well, I don't really need the $2. Why do they get $8? That's not very fair. I get it. I, can, I feel it kind of, if it really happened to me. And then they upped the experiment. They actually were giving people like a, a significant amount of money. Like, I'll give you $200, but everyone else gets $800. Uh, someone else gets $800. And there's like no one willing that, they don't get $800. If I, don't, if I only get $200, I'd rather have nothing if someone else is going to get $800. Isn't that amazing? I, I feel that, though. I can feel that well up inside of me. It's, it's this connection, this, this curse of, of comparison connected with this discontentment where sometimes I'm standing and I'm looking down at someone. I think, they haven't done enough they haven't been good enough. I've worked so much harder. Why did they shouldn't get stuff? They shouldn't be blessed this way. Maybe we're thinking in, in a spiritual context. Those people have done lots of bad things. I don't like that they get the grace that God gives. I don't, I don't it's hard to swallow that I'm supposed to forgive them or love them because I've done lots of good. I followed rules. My whole life, I've been faithful in the church and I've been faithful in my small group and I read my Bible like I'm supposed to and then these people come along and they're not doing any of that and apparently they also get the grace maybe, but maybe just not even in a spiritual sense, just in, a, in the world around. It's in a physical right sense. You just go, it's just not fair. Those people don't deserve that. And I think in the same way, I find myself with this curse of comparison to people that I might think are, have greater things than me. And, not, and now I'm not even comparing, like, that's not fair. I just look up and go like, oh, I wish I was better. I wish I could do more. I wish I performed better so I could get that stuff. How quickly my vision goes to looking at someone else and then deciding, am I better? Am I less than? How could I be more like them or less like them? It, 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 if anything, it's just my head swivels my mind swivels and my heart looking back and forth to each other at what each of us is getting, what each of us is not getting. And in all of that missing the view, the big view of the generous, gracious landowner, our generous, gracious king who is just incredibly gracious to all of us. Michelle says they were focused on the perceived injustice rather than realizing they, were wor they worked for a kind and merciful employer. This, this parable ha um, has been used historically. Sometimes people use it to like support uh, like communism. They'll say, hey, Jesus told this parable to let everyone know like everyone should be paid the same no matter how much they work. Or uh, someone said this was written once in like a, a business leadership book. Uh, as a principle for, uh, for a business, they said if anyone ever used that principle in their business, they would be bankrupt quickly <laughs> if they paid even their workers who didn't work nothing because quickly everyone would learn that and nobody would work. Um, so I, the parable isn't, I don't think it's about uh, 
uh, how, to, how we're supposed to pay people or how many hours we're supposed to have people. The, the parable ends with the good and gracious landowner. And so how quickly our perception goes to what is unfair and ultimately just focuses on all the people in our comparison and our, our, uh, uh, the unfairness around us and ultimately what was in their hands and not looking up to the one who ultimately is gracious and good to them. Ephesians 2 for me uh, is, is uh, the same story. It's the story, our story of our king and not a parable about a landowner, but the real true reality of who we are. Ephesians 2 is talking about what God and Christ has done for us. It says, made us alive. This is, God has made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in our transgressions. When we are standing and saying, I need something that will just keep me alive waiting for someone to come and take me out of that. I was dead and Christ has brought me life. It is by grace you have been saved. This gift from God and God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. Jesus, God has raised us up in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. We had nothing to offer to him. We were dead. And he's gonna show us incomparable riches in grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Does this sound like a landowner we've heard of? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. We just believe in the work of Jesus and then we're paid. And this is not from ourselves, it is a gift of God over and over. It is grace, it is grace, it is a gift. Not by your works so that you can boast. So you can say, I've done more work, that's why God loves me. You've done nothing, you're dead. How good is that he's given us this grace? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Look at the words used in this. We were dead, which means we can't offer anything. We are far worse than the people who worked for one hour. We were dead. If we look around, we'd say, none of us did anything. We deserve nothing. But by its grace, we have been saved. God raises us up with Christ, gives us incomparable riches. And it is by that grace that we've been saved, we put faith in God. He has given us a gift. And now we do get to do the work for God, but we're not doing it because uh, it makes God happy with us, because we're earning this grace, because we're going, okay, God, I've done enough. I'm doing enough. So now you're going to give me what I want. Now now you give me grace. We don't have to lay in bed at night and go like, I hope God loves me. I'm making some choices that are not wise. They're, they're not what he wants. I hope he's gracious towards me. You were dead and he was gracious towards you. And then out of that, we get filled with that grace. We get encouraged by that grace. We get motivated by that grace and we become God's handiwork. And now we get to do great works, good works, with our God. We get to be ones who carry that grace to others. This is, I, I love this quote from here. Tacumbo is uh, 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 one of my favorites. He just has a, a way of saying things. He says, Oh, that we could all be as generous as God, who is totally just to the deserving. But hear this. But more often, outrageously generous to the undeserving. 
That's us. Outrageously generous to the undeserving. How quick I put myself in that parable as the, as the guy who started at six o'clock. I say, I've worked so hard. That would be so frustrating. I have never read this parable and said, thank you, Jesus. I worked for like three minutes and did nothing and you still paid me. You still gave your life so I could have life. How quickly I'm the one who's justified in that. I'm the one who is unfair to. How, how, how quickly I forget that I was dead, that we have outrageously generous grace given to us. So as I, as I walked in this field just the other day, I spent uh, many minutes looking like this into the grass. I'm also very scared of snakes, so I was a little bit on snake lookout because <laughs> that would have made me scream and run. <laughs> that would have motivated me up the hill. Um, I spent a lot of time looking down, down at the grass, thinking how I didn't want to be here. I didn't deserve this. <laughs> it was wild. I had this moment. I thought, I can't believe I'm, I can't believe I have to walk with these people. And, and then thankfully, right, uh, someone yells, hey, look at this cool thing we found. And I turn my head up. So I go from this place of looking in the grass, frustrated, this doesn't seem right. Why would God make the sun so hot? And, this, and it ticks weird and creepy. And I look up. And I go like, this is insane. This beautiful, hilly country with people I love who are laughing and skipping through the grass. I, I'm, not, I'm not at work. I, all I have to do right now is enjoy these people and enjoy this incredible view that like it heals and my heart to be in. What a moment we have to maybe lift our heads up from the grass and look up to this incredible grace, this outrageously generous grace we've been given. Worry less about uh, what they have or what we, we don't have or what they don't have and take a moment to be filled with the grace of God. Remember that we have this incomparable riches that's been given to us that we have a generous, generous landowner, a king who has invited us into his kingdom when we were dead. They had nothing to offer. That's what we're going to sing about now. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. We're going to sing a few songs, and in those songs you're going to hear the words of how important this grace alone is. I want us to sing those out. Like, remind ourselves, uh, yell those out so that you're telling yourself, this is so important. I got to keep my eyes up. Look around at the beauty of this grace. A few things to consider as we spend some time here. Just a moment reflecting and praying before we sing. Do you actually believe that Jesus has shown us incomparable riches of his grace? Do you live performing so that God would love you and offer his grace? It's not how it works. Today you can say, yeah, I I want to put my faith in that God, in that Jesus. Maybe where this comparison or unfairness, this feeling of undeservedness, where does that come up in your life often? Is there a place where you feel that often? Do you know the cure for that is to, to look up, look, look at our God, look at, reminded of this grace? And then how are you reminded of God's grace? This could be uh, opening your Bible. Every time I read my Bible, I'm again reminded of how good our God is. Are these, do you have people around you who remind you of God's grace? Do you have people who maybe, maybe feed and, and fan the flames of a fire of comparison? 
Or do you have people who fan the flames of this grace in your life? Maybe you're ready to take a step. Who is difficult to be gracious with? Maybe you have been filled with grace and you're, you're feeling encouraged by that, motivated by that and the beauty of that. And you say, I want to bring that grace to someone else. Is there someone I've been believing doesn't deserve grace that I get to now bring grace to? You might change someone's week by being a person of grace and bearing that image. I'm going to pray for us and we'll take some time to worship here as we end our time. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your generosity, that we have a God who doesn't say you didn't do enough. He says you're dead and I'm going to make you alive. Lord, I pray that that would be very real to us, that that would hit in our hearts, that that would fill our hearts, that would fill our minds, that that would fill us with all your fullness, that that would be something that would overflow from us, that we could be gracious to those around us, that we could bring this scandalous, outrageous grace to those around us. I pray each day we could lift our heads and look to you and, and this incredible gift that you've given us. We thank you in Jesus' name, the one who makes this possible through his death and resurrection. Amen.